Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Today's reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. put on my mask when I stood up and then started walking and took it off immediately. I'm like, well, that wasn't the way I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to get up front and then take it off. I apologize for that. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. Good to see faces. Good to, good to see all of you out there. I wish there was like a hand there waving back. You all could wave back at the desk. That'd be great. Thank you. Makes me feel better. We are uh, uh, working through a sermon series um, talking about God's covenants. And is this the last one or is there one more after this? One more, that's what I thought. So there's one more after this, so we're getting, we're getting close to the end, and I know we've been saying that for a couple weeks, but that's okay, because you don't want to actually get to the end and then kind of be like, oh, 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 that's over. It, it kind of it brings itself out a little bit. It draws itself out a little bit. So that's where we are. We're talking uh, about God's covenants, the covenant that he made specifically with man to redeem for himself a people, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, as, as I'm sure all of you have seen, I, I, I proudly wear around... A Texas mask occasionally. We lived in Texas for seven years, and I, I kind of just like the Longhorns and all that kind of stuff. And uh, well, yeah, sorry, sorry to sorry y'all from Oklahoma. It's, I know it's it's a terrible thing to be from Texas, but we still love one another anyway. And the reason I bring that up is because when we lived in Texas, we had a lot of uh, uh, friends who were in the military. Um, like there were when we first moved there, there were three Air Force bases there, three major Air Force bases. One. Uh, huge army base, and then a, a, a training camp uh, just north of San Antonio. So there were, there were a lot of military people that would come in and out of San Antonio. So we knew a lot of them. A lot of them went to our church. And uh, all this happened during the time of Iraq and Afghanistan and so on. So we knew a lot of people that had been deployed. We had one particular friend who lived just right around the corner from us, very good friend of ours. She had uh, two girls, and her girls were almost the same age as Josh and Jonas. And about the time that the kids were maybe, I guess the oldest, so Josh, Josh and Amanda would have been about 10 years old, I suppose. Um, her husband, who was in the Air Force, he was a nephrologist, I believe, uh, was, uh, was deployed to Uzbekistan. Anybody know, did anybody know we had troops in Uzbekistan? We have, we have, like, it's weird. There's all those stands over in that area, and we actually have people in a lot of those different countries that we never really hear about because there's bigger things going on and other things. And anyway, that left her at home alone with these two young girls. One evening, uh, she gives us a call, and she says, Hey, the girls are both sick. I really could use somebody to just, just run to the store. They have the stomach flu. And if you know me very well, I get real wiggy about the stomach flu. Uh, people who know me well know that I get, like, I start washing my hands just furiously and it, because I don't like 
to have the stomach flu. Nobody likes it, right? Uh, so so I, anytime somebody says stomach flu, I'm like, do I have to, do I have to come into your house? Do I have to, do I have to like, be there with your kids or anything? Because that would just, that would make me panic. She said, no, I just need somebody to go to the store. You can drop it off. I'll meet you at the door. So I went to the store. I got the things that she needed, and I uh, dropped them off at her door. And you know, she was very appreciative, as anybody would be, any parent would be particularly. You, you got two kids that are sick, and of course, you appreciate it when somebody is willing to, to run errands for you and do things for you. And, and so in that time, she said to me something that I didn't exactly know how to take. And we say it, I've heard a lot of people say it. Uh, I, I don't know that I have, but maybe I have it. And she said, you're a saint. And I went, a saint. Wow, that, it caught me off guard. I mean, I've been, called, I've been called a lot of things in my life. Saint has rarely been one of them. In fact, that was the only time I can recall ever being called a saint. Saint is just not something that I thought about myself as. It wasn't exactly sure how to respond to what she was saying. You're a saint. I mean, she said it just sort of in passing, and it wasn't all that important, but it stuck with me. I waved it off as just, you know, no problem. It wasn't a big deal. It's not a big deal. I just ran to the store. I'm not, it's nothing. I'm not a saint for that. But the next day, I was thinking more and more about what she said, and I began to wonder, what, what is it about that word? What, what does it mean? Why do we use it? How do we use it? And, and all those things. I flipped it over and over in my head. Not because I believed it was true about me, quite the opposite. I, I, I had no reason to believe that that one little act or any particular act made me a saint. I know who I am on the inside. I know the darkness of my own heart. I recognize that I, I, I don't feel like a saint most of the time. I feel like a sinner most of the time. I feel like a sinner all of the time. Saint is the furthest thing from my mind. I was no saint. I was far from it. After all, people who are saints, they, they do great and amazing things, right? They make a difference. They're exceedingly holy and virtuous and selfless. They're martyrs, they're missionaries, they're doctors, they're philanthropists. They serve, they sacrifice. They do significant things in significant ways. When I heard the word saints, I thought of people like Patrick of Ireland, right? Oh, Patrick, Patrick of Ireland. Patrick was, was, was credited for converting the people who had enslaved him when he was young in Ireland, right? He, he converted the very people that had enslaved him and taken him, taken, him, taken him away from his home. Benedict Dwasa, I think of him when I think of saints. He was a, a teacher in South Africa who was murdered because uh, he, he lived in this small village and the, the tribe elders in the village believed that, that uh, his faith, the one that he was teaching in school... Was, was what caused all the terrible things to happen in the village. Think of Mother Teresa. Who doesn't think of Mother Teresa when you think of saint? The work that she did in Calcutta, just, it's unequaled. Nobody does things like that. Nobody gives up their life in that way. Those people are saints. Because they lived their lives in significant ways. They suffered, they served, they sacrificed. Because that's what saints do. That's how saints live, right? But when we look at God's word, we see sort of a slightly different picture of saints, or, or a substantially different picture of saints. God's word does not describe saints in the exact same way. God's word says that being a saint is way less about what we do for God and way more about what God has done for us. 
Saints are those who know Christ, believe in Christ, acknowledge Christ as their Savior, acknowledge Christ as their Lord. Saints are those who Christ calls to be his representatives here on earth. Saints are those that, that, that ultimately Peter is describing in today's passage. They're saints. They're the saints. It's true, he doesn't use the word saints. He never uses the word saints in this passage. But what he's describing are God's saints. God's people. Just as it's said elsewhere in the Bible, he says these things about saints, and we can, we can find other places in Scripture that paint these very same truths about God's people, about God's saints. For example, in Ephesians 1, uh, Paul tells us that saints are the people that are chosen by God. In 1 Corinthians 1, he says that the saints are the people that are called by God. Uh, in Ephesians 4, he says that saints are equipped to do ministry, the ministry of priests. Revelation 14, John says that saints are made for holiness. Ephesians 2, he says that saints are members of God's household. Psalm 148, even the Old Testament talks about saints. Psalm 148 says that saints are those who proclaim God's praise. They proclaim his excellencies, as Peter says in today's passage. You get the picture. To be a saint is, is nothing about what we do. To be a saint is the result of what God does for us. It's about what he has done, his greatness, and his great works. Thomas Merton once said that a saint is not someone who is good, but a saint is someone who experiences the goodness of God. And by experiences, he means knows that it's coming from God, recognizes that it's coming from God, sees and believes that, that the goodness that I have in my life, the blessings that I experience, the things that, that, that can't come from anywhere this world or anything this world has to offer, those things, those things are from God. I've experienced his goodness. It's exactly who Peter is describing in these two very short verses today. Peter's talking about those who've experienced God's goodness and forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And yet the recipients of 1 Peter were not inclined to believe that ultimately. They, they were actually, they were being persecuted for what they believed. They were being persecuted for their faith. And they were actually inclined to think that, that maybe God had abandoned them. That God had turned away from them. That God had forsaken them. But it wasn't true. God had not forsaken them. He had chosen them. Chosen them! God had not given up on them. He had made them into a holy people. God was not ignoring them. He was calling them out of darkness and into his glorious light. That they too might proclaim his excellencies. That they might share his goodness. Share his grace with those around them. Other versions say that they might tell about the wonderful things that he's done, uh, proclaim the wonderful acts that God has, has, has done, to declare the goodness of he who has called us to his presence, to declare his goodness and grace. That's why God makes us saints. God, God makes us and calls us to be saints, to convey his goodness and grace to the world around us. To show them that there is something better than what this world has to offer. I mean, this world offers everything. There's a great uh, Cademan's Call song. Anybody know who Cademan's Call is? There's a great Cademan's Call song uh, called uh, this, this World Has Nothing For Me. This world has nothing for me, and this world has everything. All that I want and nothing that I need. 
God pours out his goodness and grace upon his saints. He calls them and brings them to himself to be his people by sanctifying us and declaring us to be righteous through Jesus Christ. Saint is not a person who accomplishes amazing feats for God. A saint is someone who trusts in the amazing things that God has done for them and rests in those and lives out of those and rejoices in those daily. Saint is someone who recognizes God's love. For God makes us saints to convey his love. And again, we look back. We look at verse 9 and 10. And he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Once you were not a people, but now, now, now you're God's people. You're not just any people. You're not just any nation. Because anybody can, can form a nation, right? Anybody can put together a group of people. Anybody can form a club. Anybody can form a group. But not anybody can declare to be God's people. Only the people that God says, you're my people. That's what God is calling of his saints. He's saying, you're my people. You are my choice. I choose you. They're accepted. They're selected. They're esteemed to receive God's kindness and his favor and his love. uh, In Deuteronomy uh, 4, Moses explains the same thing, the very same truth about, uh, about Israel, about God's people, to them. He says, and because he loved your fathers, so there's your love, he, because he loved your fathers, he chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power. Because he loved you, because he loved your forefathers, he chose you. He chose you. God rescued Israel from their slavery in Egypt because he loved their forefathers, because he had chosen their descendants to be his people forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us through Jesus Christ. That was true for them as well. A couple chapters later, Moses goes on. The Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations. And God's choosing his people was not limited to the Old Testament, obviously. The New Testament, the same truth is made clear time and time again. In Colossians, Paul refers to uh, the believers there at that church as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. In Ephesians, he says that God chose them and predestined them to be adopted as dearly loved sons and daughters. Christians in Thessalonica, he calls them brothers loved and chosen by Christ. This loved and chosen, this, is, this goes together. You see, this, this is meshed together in a way that it just can't be separated. The two ideas are synonymous. To be chosen by God is to be loved by God, and to be loved by God is to be chosen by God. That's, that's how Peter's readers would have understood this. They might not have believed it at first because they were experiencing this persecution, but, but certainly that's what they would have been hearing. They would have read it and they would have said, wait a second, God, God's chosen us? God loves us? Doesn't always feel like it, right? But God loves us. God chooses us 
to be saints to convey his love. It reminds me often of, of, of my own father's love for me, for all of his kids, not necessarily particularly for me, but because I'm the one talking, so it would be about me, I guess. As a kid, I, uh, one of the things I loved to do, um, despite my short stature, I was always kind of short, uh, is that I, I loved to play basketball. You know, we had one of those old basketball hoops. Anybody have a ba- old basketball? Not, this was before you could move them. You'd put this huge post in the ground, right? And you'd, and, and you'd bury it in concrete, and it'd be 10 feet off the ground, and there'd be this basketball pole there. I think my mother got rid of it like 30 years after we had all moved out. <laughs> It was, it was long time standing there because it was just hard to get rid of. It was buried so deeply into the ground. And we had this basketball hoop and our, our driveway was uneven and it had cracks in it and you know, there were bumps and everything. And so the ball didn't bounce evenly all the time. But we loved playing basketball together. My siblings, my dad. And one of the things that, that, that it's the real reason the memory comes back to me. It's not that I really care that much about basketball, but it's because my dad always picked me. I was always on my dad's team. My, my dad always chose me. I was the shortest. I was the youngest. I, 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 half the time, I couldn't get the ball even near the hoop. He would have to hold me up into the air, and, and, and I would throw the ball up there. Right? But dad chose me. He didn't choose me because I was a great power forward. He chose me because he loved me. He didn't choose me because he loved my siblings less. But he knew that sometimes, being small, being youngest, being insignificant, it feels like nobody cares. And so choosing me made sure he, that I knew that he loved me. And it was important to me. I don't know what I would have done if Dad said, eh, I want someone else this time. <laughs> Darden didn't play, pan out so well last time. A couple layups missed at the hoop and so on. But my dad chose me. And when I think about that, I go, that's, that's, wow. God chose me. God chose you. God chose us to be his people. He makes us saints to convey his love to us, to, 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 to remind us each and every day that, that we're not forgotten, we're not abandoned. Life is is miserably hard at times. Miserably hard. It just is. You can't get around it. You can't explain it away. You can't pretend it, do- it isn't. You just, it just is the way it is. And yet, we should live with this joy that, that comes from knowing that God chooses us, loves us, and cares more about us than we can possibly possibly understand or care about ourselves he makes us saints to convey his love he declares us righteous and holy to demonstrate that we are that we are highly esteemed we're extremely blessed beyond all measure peter goes on to say in in verse 9 peter says that we're a royal priesthood we're kingly priests we're not just regular folks we're the we're, we're priests of the high king we serve the greatest the mightiest, the holiest, the most gracious and loving and kind God there ever is. The only God there ever is. We're kingly priests. 
So we've been talking about these past couple months. We've examined God's covenants uh, and, and the covenants that he's made with his people, specifically the covenant that he makes to redeem us, to, to, to bring us to himself as a holy people, to set us apart for his glory. And now as we, we come really close to the end, one more week after this, we come close to the end, we're seeing this sort of a culmination of what it means to be saints, what it means to be holy people chosen by God means that we're ultimately blessed. We're blessed beyond all measure. We're blessed above all others. We're blessed. God makes us saints to convey his blessing to us. In the Old Testament, God's people didn't have direct access to him because of their sin. They had priests. They had priests that did that for them. Those priests served as mediators between God and his people, and they they offered sacrifices for God's people. They interceded on the people's behalf. They pronounced God's blessing over his people. Every time they got together, they pronounced God's blessing over his people and his forgiveness. Jesus changed all that. Jesus turned that upside down because when Jesus died on the cross, he became the great high priest for us. He intercedes perfectly, so we don't need another And he sacrifices for all sins one time. That's it. It's done. No more need for sacrifices. No more need for intercession in that same way. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, has done that for us. So ultimately, what's left for priests to do is bless. Pour out God's blessing upon the earth. Demonstrate the blessing that Christ is to the world. Hebrews 2 tells us that Jesus had to be made like his brothers, meaning he had to be made like us. He had to be made human, that that, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make an atonement for sins of the people. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, because he's not... He doesn't sin, and then for the people's sins, because he sacrificed once for all sins when he offered himself up. When Christ died, the sins were forgiven. The the offering was made, the blessing was pronounced. And now it's our job as his priests to go out and pronounce that blessing to the world. we often talk about that right at the end of the worship service. We come up, somebody reads, reads a benediction, reads a blessing. Benediction's a Latin word for, the, for blessing. Uh, someone comes up and, and gives a benediction, gives a blessing. And when they give the blessing, we, we often say, you know, we don't do this so that you can take God's blessing and kind of keep it to yourself. I've got God's blessing. It's all mine. We, we pronounce God's blessing over his people each and every time they come together so that they can go out and be a blessing to the world. It's one of the reasons that worship is so important. When, when we come to worship, lots of things happen here, right? Lots of things happen in worship. Our faith is strengthened, our mind is renewed, our hearts are encouraged. But the, but the point of all that is that at the end, we receive God's blessing and we go out and we take all those things and we give them away. We give them away to others. We say, God, I went to church and God poured out into me. And now I pour myself out into the world. 
through worship, we're blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, having said that, it's going to be, what I'm going to say is going to kind of sound weird. Uh, when I'm out volunteering, I used to like work with the, with the elementary school PTO and I work with the high school band. I do things like that. When I'm out volunteering, I don't often tell people I'm a pastor. At least I certainly don't lead with that <laughs> in a conversation. It's not because I'm ashamed of being a pastor. I love what I do more than anything else. Well, okay, my family, Jesus first, my family. And, but being a pastor is really high up there, right? You get the idea. Uh, I, I love being a pastor. I love it. And I'm proud of being a pastor. I really am. But here's the thing. Um, Trey can confirm this. I'm sure Joel can confirm this as well. You go out, you, you tell people you're a pastor, and, and something about the conversation changes. You might be having a really great conversation with somebody, right? And, and you're, they're talking, they're relaxed, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden they go, well, what do you do? And you go, well, <laughs> I'm a pastor. And so here's what happens. One, a, a number of things. They, they, they leave. <laughs> I've had people actually just turn around and go, ah. <laughs> I've had it happen. It's weird, but it, you're like, oh, okay, all right, that's fair. I'm, I don't take offense to that. Uh, they, they apologize for something that they said earlier that they deem as having been inappropriate to say to a pastor, right? So something earlier in the conversation, like, oh, oh, I'm really sorry I said that. I'm, yeah, and then they go on saying the same thing over again. But they're, they're you know, uh, they use words that maybe, you know, they would think that are inappropriate and so on. Or, uh, this is what I find happens most often. People immediately begin to make excuses for why they don't go to church. They immediately, well, you know, I, I work a lot on Sundays. Okay, I get it. Hey, I'm, I'm not your judge. I'm just a pastor. I'm not your judge. You can work that out with Jesus, right? Not my, not my, not my role. Um, but they do. They make excuses for, for why they don't go to church. They say things like, well, I really don't get anything out of it, you know. Or I, I like to worship God in nature. I like to go out and walk around. The golf course is my, is my sanctuary. I've heard that one a number of times. I'm like, wait for that next rainstorm, man. Just don't be out there. That might not be good. You know, they, they say a lot of things like that, right? And don't get me wrong. It's not that salvation depends on us being here in worship. Our salvation most certainly does not depend on worshiping God. It does not. does not depend on us being in a worship service and worshiping God. However... Thinking that one doesn't need the worship service, one doesn't need church in that way, it's sort of short-sighted thinking. It's a little bit naive. It proves a certain lack of understanding about what happens here and about the blessing that is poured out upon us each and every time we come together. They don't really get what worship is about. They don't understand that Jesus refers to the church us, his people, the saints of God, we are the body of Christ. Let that sink in for just a second. I've had a lot of people say, you know, oh, I have trouble with Jesus because I've never really seen him. And I'm like, has, has, has a Christian ever reached out to you? Has a believer ever done something kind for you? Or, or Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, we're the body of Christ. We're the, we're the visible manifestation 
And so when we do things in his name, we are acting on his behalf. We're, we're, we're his representatives. That's why, that's why it's so important that we, we look to him and we go, how, how, do you, how, how do you want me to do this, God? This is a hard situation. How do you want me to deal with this? Because we're the body. We're the body. We're the, we're the people of God. And so when we act, we're acting for Christ. And missing that is, is, I don't know, it's sad to me when people miss that. They miss that connectedness because, because that's important too. That's what happens here. Uh, you know, we're, we're, this is how God has, this is how Christ has chosen. This is the body that Christ has chosen to connect his people together. This is the means here. Not, not the golf course, not any other group you might belong to that loves Jesus and does things for Christ, it's the church. That's what Christ has chosen to do his work. That's what Christ has chosen to connect his people. And as a result, that's where we receive the blessing. The blessing that comes from, from your hands and your hands and your hands and your hands and the words that you say to one another and the words that you say to me and the encouragement that we give and the, and the way we build up... We build up Trey and his family, the, the way we encourage them. That's, that's where the blessing comes from, is this tight-knit group of people who are called the body of Christ, who are called the saints of God. There are many people in my life who have been saints to me. Not saints in the sort of flippant way, not like, oh, you're a saint, but saints, saints. People who have conveyed God's love, like my wife. She's loved me through some she's loved me through some difficult times. Good times too. A lot of good times, but some really, really hard times too. Times that I can't even think about without getting teary. <laughs> my best friend Joel. Been a blessing in my life in ways that I can't possibly explain. You all. And, and, and when, when our family came in and we were hurting and we were wrestling and struggling, you, you took us in. You demonstrated Christ's love to us. You were a blessing. My parents, my parents, oh my gosh, my parents who showed me love when I was a teenager. <sighs> wow. No offense to any of you teenagers in here or preteens about ready to go into teenagedom. But love your parents and love them well. Because they're going to love you through some really ugly times. And it's okay. It's part of that growing up process. Even people that, that you might not expect, people that you might look at and you go, wow, you, they, they were a blessing to you. Sherry. Sherry was my secretary at the very first church I served right out of seminary. I was a junior high youth pastor. I had 160-something 7th and 8th graders in my youth group. I'm really happy to be here, guys. <laughs> I love all those kids. They were great at times. Um, but Sherry was my secretary. And, I, and uh, she had a son that was about my age. And, and, and as a result, she treated me like her son. Really. I was thinking, I was making a list as I was writing this, uh, writing this sermon this week, and, and um, I just was thinking through all the people in my life, and you know, y'all made the list. 
But when I got to, sh I got to Sherry and I was like, I, j I just I hadn't really ever thought about the impact she had on me. I hadn't really, really thought about how, how gracious and kind she was, how loving she was. I was a young, naive pastor who, who really believed on some level that I had something I had, a, I, 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 had, I had something to show the world. A lot of guys graduate from seminary and do that, right? A lot of guys graduate from, a lot of people graduate from whatever and, and feel that way. But I felt that way. And, you know, as is true of all times and all people, when they feel that way, they make a lot of mistakes along the way. And they weren't huge mistakes. They weren't, they weren't mistakes that were like, oh, I should have been fired for that. Um, but they were mistakes that, that still caused messes. And the one person, the one person at work who, who, who was always there to encourage me and help me clean up the mess was Sherry. There were times when everybody, was, everybody else was like, you're on your own. But Sherry was like, we'll figure something out. And she would walk me through it and help me figure out a, a solution and, and, and constantly remind me that, you know what? God still loves you. You're fine. You're going to do great. Just keep going. Even after we left, uh, when we left, the church had this tradition of giving exit interviews to the pastors. And so uh, I had an exit interview, and they also could then go around to the staff that you work closest with, and they asked them, you know, their thoughts and so on. And, and Sherry had the kindest words. I will never forget. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what she said, but I'll never forget what she said. The, potentially one of the most meaningful things I've ever heard in my life. It was a blessing to have somebody. She didn't have to invest that in me. She could have just let me float out there and whatever. But she chose to do that because she understood God's love and grace in her own life. She conveyed his love and blessing in ways that others didn't. I, and, I, and I've had a lot of people that have done that in my life. A lot of people that have done that in my life. All of them, every single one, saints. Every single one. Not because of the way they treated me, not because of what they did for me, not because of the things that they did for other people, because I wasn't the only person they treated well. They were saints because they knew the goodness and grace that God had showed them, and they lived in such a way that conveyed that to others. Saints, that's your call. That's your call today. That's your practice for the week. Go and be a blessing of God's love to someone else this week. Will you pray with me? Gracious, loving God, I don't feel worthy to be called a saint. You know what's in my heart better than I do, and yet I shriek at some of the thoughts that I have and the things that I say and the ways that I, that I deal with people at times. I know it is only by your grace and your forgiveness that you could ever love me. 
I know that's true for each one of us, Lord. We, we, maybe, we, maybe, maybe nobody else here feels that way. Maybe everybody feels that way. But the fact is, Lord, that you love us, like I said, more than we can possibly love ourselves and more than we possibly ever know. We thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We thank you for your church, Lord. We thank you for your church and for the connection that we have and for the, for the, the way we support one another and build one another up, the way that we encourage and the, and the way hopefully we're reaching out and being a blessing to those around us. Lord, as, as, as Trey said earlier, it's kind of laughable that you would choose to use broken vessels to do your work and yet that's what you do. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to, to do that through us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this uh, meal that we're about to receive, Lord. We, we, we pray that in all of this, your name would be glorified and honored and that our hearts would rejoice in knowing you and the love that you have for us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.